It's Rich Big Daddy Salgado, and uh, we want to welcome everybody to Big Daddy and Friends. And today's guest, um, I'm so honored. I'm, I'm humbled. Um, I don't know. I'm speechless because, <laughs> you know, we've uh, we've developed such a great relationship throughout the years. And um, not only are we friends, we also do business together. And, uh, you know, um I look up to you uh, because you're the uh, the NFL insider, NFL, you know, not know-it-all. I don't want to put that kind of pressure on you, but, oh. you know, that's a big, that's a big uh, topic and title to have. But, uh, you know, anyway, everyone, this is Jim Trotter. So, uh, welcome aboard. Big, Big Daddy, um, I'm humbled and honored that you would have me on your podcast, one of your early guests. So, you know, I'm a big fan of you like everyone else, and we all have love for you. So anything I can do to help um, to push that Big Daddy brand and to get out the positivity, I'm here for. So, uh, again, couldn't be more honored and humbled to to be on your show. And, uh, well, thank you. And uh, I see you're, you know uh, – you got your huddle and flow shirt on. I I, I haven't got any uh, Big Daddy shirts yet made up, but you know, I can go back to that world that I used to be. <laughs> uh, I'll get there one day. But uh, you know, my partner Steve Weiss came up with it. I, he shocked me with it. He just said one day, uh, "Give me your address. I got something to send you." And so he had these made up, which I was like, "Nice." So yeah, um, he deserves all the credit for it. Well, you know, I would say normally I'm a 4X, but now that I'm down to a 3X, when you get to the 3Xs, you know, keep me in mind. I'll 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 sport one as well. I love it. We'll, we'll not only have you sport one, Big Daddy, we'll have you on. How's that? Well, go great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank no. you. <laughs> yeah, no, no. When we get to that off, uh, the off season where we're doing the business, you yeah. know, um, you're the perfect kind of guest for us. So, your invitation will be coming. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, it's funny. Um, this is a whole different world for me. Obviously, you know, I've gotten the experience of, you know, doing TV and interviewing and whatnot through uh, Fox News and all that. But now to, uh, you know, Big Daddy and Friends, I want to bring all my friends on and, and really like, you know, tell stories and, and you know, discuss uh beginnings, middle of the road, possible endings, and so on and so on. So, uh, you know, for you and I, we met, I'd have to say a good, what, 15 years ago or so, something something around, uh, I don't even know anymore. I can't even keep track. I, 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 would, I would have to say 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. It Big Daddy, I think, well, our first run-in, I believe, was even before that. It was at the scouting combine, and I didn't know you. And I think I was talking with Michael Smith, mm-hmm. and you were um, you happened to walk up, and you knew Michael or know Michael, and you guys had a conversation. When you left, I was like, who's that? Like, oh, you don't know Big Daddy? Everybody knows Big Daddy. And I was <laughs> like, no, I said, uh, I don't. So that was sort of my first introduction to you. And then, you know, it just went from there. But um, I'll say this for folks who don't know, if there's, if there's one person who I want to say literally, and I know that's an exaggeration, but knows everybody in the NFL, 
it's Big Daddy. It's you. So um, I was like, man, that that's that takes a lot to know. It's not only to know everybody, Big Daddy, but it's to be respected by everybody and to be liked by everybody. Um, and that says something to your character that people, you know, like you, not only like you, but trust you. Because as you know, in this business, trust is hard to come by, you know, particularly on a broad level with so many people. So um, again, that's a credit to you. So you should feel really good about that. Well, thank you for your kind words. And uh, you know what it is? I, I think um, I'm always a true believer. If I know an answer, I'll give it to you. If I don't have an answer for you, I'll go find it. If it's, um, it's either black or white, there's no gray, there's no, uh, I, you know, maybe or whatnot. I always, I, I think that's really, and when I say I'm going to do something, I 99% of the time will do it, you know, and if I can't do something, I will say, you know what, I don't think I can do it or no, or nor do I want to do it for whatever the reason. And I think, people, you know, I think people respect that. Oh, no question. I think it's like with an athlete, with a coach, they may not like what you say, but they like the fact that you're honest with them. And um, I think that's people in general. You know, we always talk about sport being a microcosm of society. And I think many of the relationships and things that go on within sport, um, you can apply that same principle to. So I always appreciate that, you know, when people tell me, look, I can or I can't, I'll, I'll, tr I'll try. Um, but all I ask, and, and this is the, the sort of the, the, the motto, the credence that I try and live by, is that if I tell you I'm going to do something, then I do everything I can to make sure it happens. Cause I, I just, I'm one of those firm believers that your word is bond. So if you tell someone you're going to attempt to do something or that you will do something that you're going to be available, whatever, then you follow through on it. That, that to me is so critical. You know, for a lot of people that are watching this interview that don't know, um, I'll give a little bit of, you know, your highlights, so to speak, you know, uh, Jim That'll be short. Yeah. That'll be short. <laughs> no, what are you kidding me? Jim Trotter is a proud graduate of Howard University. That I do know. Uh, you know. I know. The bison. And uh, we met when you were at SI, when you were writing at Sports Illustrated, actually. That's when we first met. And then you went to ESPN and then ESPN to NFL Network. Yes, sir. So they you, they took you. They took my guy from the East Coast, put him back on the West Coast. I wasn't too happy, but oh well. It, That's it, where he belongs, Big Daddy. Oh, no, I hear That's you. Where he belongs. Whatever's best for you is what I'm happy for. So, uh, so that was good. And then you know, I, I not knowing, but I know you're the president of the NFL Football Writers Association. Uh, I was at one point. Interesting okay. story with that. So. Um, I was elected president of the Pro Football Writers of America. And um, at the time I was at ESPN, and it's a two-year term. And halfway through the term, I left ESPN to go to NFL Network and was informed at that time by the PFWA that if you work for the league, you cannot not only not be an officer for PFWA, but you cannot even be a member mm. of PFWA. So I had to relinquish my position and my membership in the PFWA, which really was disappointing to me because 
the reality is in my mind, and I've said this to the leadership of the PFWA now is I'm fighting for the same things now I was fighting for when I was at SI or when I was at um, ESPN or when I was at the San Diego Union. You know, access is something that's critical to, to reporters no matter where you are. And I find it interesting that people, there's still this perception that because you work for NFL Network or even if you're um, a member of a club that you have this exclusive access that others don't and, and that you're treated a certain way favorably. And I'm here to tell you, is at least in my case, I can only speak for myself. That is not the case. You know, the fight for access is the same now as it was a year ago, two years ago, or a decade ago. And I don't envision that changing. I used to get a lot of flack for the access that I had. You know, and uh, we wish we had your access. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, we wish we had your oh, access. You uh, know that. It's uh, that's why it was funny. I was asked to go. I won't name game or whatnot. And I go to a game, and all of a sudden, I get about four text messages. Dude, what are you doing down on the field? And you know, da, 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 da. and like, there's coronavirus and all this stuff and blah blah and. I didn't even respond because I knew someone would say, I can't go, but Big Daddy, you can go. Like, wait, wait let, let's, let's be for real here for, for a minute, Big Daddy. Now, this is, this is how much access and clout Big Daddy has. So you see that jersey over your shoulder there, your left shoulder, that Tom Brady jersey? <laughs> Most folks would have to go out to a charity event and try and purchase an autographed jersey of Tom Brady. But somebody like Big Daddy, I'm going to sit here and wager that all Big Daddy had to do was walk up to Tom and say, hey, Tom, can I get you to sign this? And there would be no problem from Tom. Am I, am I wrong, Big Daddy? You're not wrong at all. See? 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 I, and I'll tell you one even better. You see the other jersey, Barry Sanders, right? Yes, sir. So, obviously, you know, Mike Newsom is my best friend and brother to me. He was working at the league at the time, and it was Barry's uh, last year of playing. So uh, Mike comes to me and says, "Man, you gotta, you got. I need your help." And I'm like, "Sure. What's the story?" He goes, "Well, I gotta get Barry to sign these ten jerseys for the league." I go, "Oh boy, here we go." So <laughs> I call Barry up at this suite up at the Ihalani, and I'm like. Hey, hey, B, I got to come up and see you. Yeah, come on up, Big Daddy, blah, blah. I'm like, so the whole elevator ride, I'm like, I could have used like three towels because I'm trying to think of how am I going to pull this one off. So I get up there, and I got this little knapsack, and me and we start BSing, and about 15 minutes into the conversation, I said, Barry, look, I need a favor. Sure, Big Daddy, what, what what's the favor? I go, can you sign a couple of jerseys for me? Really? For you? I'm like, yeah, well, I go, look, it's a, it, it, before we get any, it's not two jerseys or three. It's ten. Ten? What are you, like, you going to go hawk my jersey on the, <laughs> on the street? I go, no, 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 no. I said, look, I need this done for my boy. He, you know, the, this is his job, and he needs this signed. Just do it for me. I know I know you may have your issues and whatever. I've never asked you before. So he says to me, he goes, all right, you said there was 10 there? I said, yeah, there's 10. He goes, no, there's seven. 
I go, wait a minute. No, there's 10. He goes, no, there's seven. Two for me, one for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that jersey is a Pro Bowl jersey, the last one. And oh, it, you know, it's uh, white and blue, but it has the Lions logo on the shoulder. And he goes, I want you to have this. And he didn't even sign it to me. He just signed it. Wow. So in respect to him, I would never sell that jersey or give right. it away or anything. I framed it, and that's why it's behind me. You know, I have a See? few others. Big Daddy, not many people can tell a story like that. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, uh, it was a funny story, a fun time. And then, you know, I remember coming down from Barry Sweet and Mike waiting for me, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> hey, Noose, uh, <laughs> I got good news and I got bad news. There's only seven in here. What happened to the other three? Go talk to Barry. I'm out of it. I got the job done, and that's it. And he, you know, fine, fine. What's the line, Big Daddy? Beggars can't be choosers, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Got to be happy with what you got. So Because he would come in, and, you know, the players would all go to that one room to sign everything. And whatnot. Mm -hmm. Barry would just right to the elevator, go up to his room, and, you know, that's how he was. So, whatever. Luck Luckily, I was fortunate enough to have a friendship. <laughs> See, but that speaks to, to, to relationships, Big Daddy, and trust. So, again, that, that is a credit to you because um, people don't understand on the outside, um, when you reach a certain level, particularly as a professional athlete, and you have so many people coming at you, and you have so many people um, who present themselves as, as being authentic, but they have ulterior motives and whatnot that athletes begin to form sort of a shell yeah. and that circle, if they're smart, that circle gets smaller and smaller in terms of who they can trust and who they want to relate to. So, you know, for a guy like Barry Sanders, obviously that circle is going to be really small and really tight for you to be a part of it. That says something. So um, again, credit to you. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah. He's uh class act and we see each other wherever we run into each other and uh uh we get a chuckle and we say our quick hellos and whatnot and i have to and you know what i have to say this because you brought barry up uh you got the beautiful uh background there golf uh i guess course overlooking the uh pacific ocean most likely yes sir so yes sir we have to get Barry at the Big Daddy Celebrity Golf Classic this year. I, uh, I'm i going to reach out to him and have him bring his golf game because he supposedly has a pretty good one. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome, man. This, yeah. is, a, this is a picture I took about two weeks ago from Torrey Pines, which is going to host the U.S. Open in 2021. And obviously, I live in San Diego, so um, I don't play the course a lot because I'm considered, I live down in the South Bay, which is outside of the city limits, um, which means that I have to pay uh, the non-resident rate, which if you know Torrey Pines, it's not um, cheap. No, so I limit the times that I go, but it just so happened that like I hadn't played golf in about a year um, for two reasons. One, you know, Big Daddy, I started to put on a little weight, so clothes weren't fitting right and all of that. And we only have so many hours in a day, so I had to make a choice about priorities. And I decided that I needed to get back in the gym and start, you know, as I get older, try and stay in shape a little bit. And that took away the golf time. And then when I was at a point where I finally felt like physically that I was where I wanted to be, COVID hits and 
So we're not going out, you know, and we're not being around people. Well, after what now? I think the last time I had traveled was mid-March. And here we are in, in, in November now, but it was October. And I said, you know what? I'm going stir crazy. I got to be able to get out. And so what I do is now at least once a week now, I'll try and play golf again and no carts, any of that. I walk the course wherever I'm at mm -hmm. and keep my distance. And that's sort of, for me, um, that escape and that way of keeping my sanity. Because that's the one thing I found, I don't know about you, Big Daddy, and others you, you talked to, but for me, the mental health aspect of, of this pandemic, I think, is, is sort of underreported and um, underrecognized. And, and I believe in, in talking about these things um, and being so that we can all see that, that we're not different, that we all go through the same things. And I'm, I'm going to tell you halfway through this thing, there was a point for me where it was really difficult psychologically that when you're accustomed to traveling, you're accustomed to being in front of people, you're accustomed to going out to eat or going to a movie, which is something I love to do, and you're unable to do any of those things, um, I found myself psychologically being in sort of a down place and had to try and find a way out of it. And fortunately, after, you know, a couple of weeks and whatnot and, and realizing some things I could do to help, I, I did find my way out of it. But um, golf, as you see, you know, is, is one of those things that helped me. And, and, you know, I'm looking forward to your golf tournament without question, because um, it definitely is a highlight the last time we played out there at Ohika Castle. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people are. And it's funny. Uh, the guest list is already getting the guest wish list is already getting long. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I would not want to be you. Yeah. I would yeah, not want to be uh, you. It's funny, but uh, I'll handle that. Uh, I'll cross that bridge when I have to. Uh, right now, we just got to get through this month here and uh, hopefully get things back on track sooner than later. Uh, yeah. But I could feel the, uh, you know, just the way you said, I'll never forget. I was, I was on the phone with a girlfriend of mine and she said to me, you sound like you're running. Like you sound like you're sucking wind. And, and that was like for three days straight. And I was kind of hiding whatever I was feeling, whatnot. And she said to me, you need to go to one of those, uh, you know, little medical, uh, place. I forget what they're called medevacs or whatever. So I went in and the guy said to me, you need to go get a chest x-ray. So as I walk to the house, as I go to the hospital and I park, the walk from the garage to the front door was probably about 100 yards, maybe a little bit more. And I had to stop twice to get catch my breath. Wow. So I knew something was wrong. And as soon as I went in, they're like, you're checking in. And I was like, wow. what? So I spent... Uh, three nights or three days and uh luckily i didn't have to have any uh medicine or uh you know be put on a ventilator and all that i did need oxygen and then i was shipped home and then that took me about uh four to five weeks to really you know where i would walk outside and you know i i would take walks just to get my lungs getting air in them and whatnot and then I dropped, you know, about 20-something pounds, which I needed to. So I, I said the coronavirus diet did me well because uh, 
you know, I wasn't eating. And I, and you don't want to laugh. Our favorite pizzeria was sending, Umberto's was sending me food. Oh, no, I didn't even eat no. It. Yeah. <laughs> I got grandma pizza and, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, I can't even uh, eat it. I'm looking at it like, oh, man, I my neighbors or friends, someone has to come over and eat this because I, I don't want to throw it away. It's a shame. And they were generous and kind to do that. So, uh, and then uh, one of my dear friends, his name is uh, Hitesh Patel. He, a uh, big football fan, big Giants fan, and we've been friends for a couple of years now. He, uh, first he brought me food over, which was kind and generous of him and his family. But then we got, we decided once the gyms opened up, we're going to work out every day. So we go 5.30, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., we work around our schedules, and since uh, the end of July till now, uh, I'm doing something that I never in my lifetime would envision, and that was being able to be on the elliptical for an hour. Nice. And doing it on a regular, consistent basis. You so, look good, Big Daddy. Yeah, so 60 pounds I've dropped. Nice. Sort of uh, – I call it Coach Tesh's uh, bootleg, uh, boot, uh, what do you call it, boot camp workouts. <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't know about you, but for me, working out that early is hard from the standpoint, not getting up or anything like that. But, like, I like to eat a little before I work out just to have something in my system for energy and whatnot. And I find when I go really early in the morning, I don't have that same energy level mm. to kind of push through certain things. Cause the, the thing I've gotten into during the pandemic, like so many others is the Peloton bike. Yeah. And you know, I'll ride that thing five times a week, if not more. And I find that I do best with it. If I go around the lunch hour or later in the afternoon, as opposed to in the morning, I mean, do you notice that your energy level is different depending on the time of day that you work out? Well, we do it every morning. So for me, what I'm doing is I'm using like the bodybuilder approach where you're going to use whatever fat you have on you mm -hmm. to burn off. That's what you, that's what, that's your fuel. So okay. by doing it on an empty stomach for me, it's worked out perfect because I'm losing, I've lost a bunch of weight. You know, mm -hmm. I went to the, to the, to the racks and I picked up, you know, two 30 pound dumbbells. And I'm like, wow, this is what I've lost. And, you know, mm. you feel the difference mm. because I'm able to get off a couch without having someone, hey, give me a hand, or, you know, push myself off. Or And some of my clothes, I mean, look at this shirt. This is a 4X. I might be able to squeeze into a 2X, but, you know, I still like the comfort of it. And uh, it, the diet has been really the whole key as well because after the workout, um, I'll have a sensible breakfast and I'll, you know, some protein shakes are in the middle of that and, uh, and some high, uh, high protein. And a girlfriend of mine got me into juicing, which something that was like, when I told my workout partner, he goes, what? I was like, yeah, I go, I'm going to give this juicing thing a shot. So I did it for three days before Thanksgiving. And I'll tell you day one was, uh, Day two was a little bit harder. <laughs> Day three, I was ready to not only cook the turkey, but tackle it. But, you know, I got through it. And then, but my energy levels were, were different. 
because I guess waking up on a like sort of empty stomach and not having that big whatever food meal in your stomach when you wake up, it, it, I, I, I'm going to do it again. You know, I'm going to, I'm not one to do juicing with just water or anything like that because I wouldn't be able to because of the workouts, how, uh, you know, how uh, intense they are now, especially because we've added weights and, and different uh, polymetric exercises. So I'm really, uh, I'm not trying to get rid of the big daddy name, but I'm trying to be in shape daddy, you know, live a little bit longer, be healthier. And oh, and, you'll get and, there. You and got have, that. Yeah. And have a, a, you know, a more positive appearance where I don't get roped into when I'm around 10 football players. Like I'm the 11th one, at least, let yeah. me, you know, be a sensible person. <laughs> no, you're going to be good. Big daddy. It's interesting. Is um, the thing you, the things that I learn as I get older, of what's really important. And you, I think you hit a key there when you talked about nutrition. That's a part of the thing I think a lot of us overlook, particularly when we're young. So if we're working out and we feel like we're in shape, that sort of thing, and we don't realize that what we put into our body has as much an impact on the things that we do to it in terms of how we work out. And look, I'm 57 years old now and I struggle. I, I have a sweet tooth that's out of this world. And so sugar for me, I'm going to hurt you bad when you come here. You know why? I have why? a client. They own a bakery. It's called Carnally Bakery. See? They, <laughs> See? they make the best bread and desserts on Long Island. He, I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, I'm going to hold um, you to that. Yeah, you know, listen, we do our thing. When you come in earlier and we go to our little, you know, rendezvous spot to eat, you know, the last time, remember, we went uh, – Remember Robert Dobby was there, the actor. We were all yes. Was, and yes. everybody's like, "What are you doing with all these guys?" I'm like, "Well, they're friends of mine. They're rolling for the golf outing." So, uh, so yeah, I will take you there to try that. Uh, those delicacies. It, I go there daily, almost oh. good, but I don't eat. I, I, I don't, eat. If I go in the bakery part, it's to pick up something for somebody else. No, I so, eat, Big Daddy. Oh, I, I eat. Listen, I'm not saying that I'm giving up on food, but you know, I'm watching in moderation, but, uh, but anyway, uh, now let's get back to talking football since we talked about, who cares about football? We're good with this other stuff. Big yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, know, I guess one of the big things that, mm -hmm. and, uh, that I'm always thinking about is, you know, you have all these games being canceled or not canceled, but being moved and mm -hmm. shifted around and whatnot. Um, what do you think about the NFL pushing back against uh, adding a week, another week to the season? Because you're not, it's unfair to some of these teams. Look at the Steelers. They lost their bye, you know? Yeah, but, you know, here's my thing about this, Big Daddy. Um, like when the Steelers were griping about losing a bye or their schedule being moved a couple times and whatnot, and my whole thing was, do you, do you realize just how ridiculous you sound? Is it an inconvenience? No question. But we've got over nearly 300,000 people that have died from this virus. We've got over 12 million who are infected by it. The, the cases, new cases per day, they're at an all-time high on average. And so what I'm saying is I get that, that having your schedule rearranged or losing a bias and inconvenience and all, all of that. But think about the alternative and have a little perspective here the fact that um, 
you are still able to make your living, which a lot of people are not able to do today because of this pandemic. I mean, small businesses are struggling. So many are going under. Um, So you are still able to make your living and um, you have your health, you know, which is paramount in this situation. Unlike some, again, who have died or lost loved ones. So that's the only thing that I would ask of the Steelers and some of these others who might complain. And here's the other thing. When we, when, before this season started, number one, we talk about the league doing this and the other, the players agreed to this. Yeah. This is not something that's being imposed on them by the NFL, the players association and the NFL negotiated the way that this was going to go. And is there really anyone out there who thought that we would get through this season without some sort of hiccup or some sort of rescheduling or possibly even cancellations? I mean, the fact that a game has not been canceled yet blows my mind. Yeah. Um, But to get to this point, even of the season where we're talking, you know, we've got through two months, more than two months, almost three months um, without a game being canceled without um, an outbreak, unlike what we've seen now with the Ravens, is a credit to both the league and the players and the staffs, you know, who took this seriously. So I understand the point about the Steelers being upset about that. But if if the worst that comes out of this is that you lost your bye week or your game had to be rescheduled several times, I mean, come on, guys, really? Really? No, That's what we're going to complain about? Yeah, because so many people I run into always ask me, especially when you're at the gym, and I, I hate to talk sports. I just want to get to the gym and get it over with. But they, how, what do you think about the NFL's handling of this whole thing? And, you know, you just answered it because the league and the Players Association and the players, everybody agreed to, hey, let's go forward and let's play and you know, let's, uh, you, you got to replace bodies and whatnot, then you do it. So, uh, so, you know, Demario Davis, big daddy to not to interrupt, but he, he made an interesting point to me, um, earlier this week where he said, you know, we're seeing teams now be and players be fined over not having their, having their mask on or whatever it may be. And, and his point, which was so pertinent was he said, we are trying to teach new habits now. And that takes time. And so he understands why the NFL is being so, so, so diligent about this in terms of if we catch you without your mask, you're subject to fine and teams are subject to possibly draft pick losses. But like he's saying in a game, you know, when I come off the field, I have been conditioned since I was, what, eight, nine years old that here is what I do. And putting on a mask was never a part of that. So if you are now in your, say, early 30s, you know, for 20 some odd years, you've been doing it one way and it takes time to change behavior. And and that was just one of his concerns about it is he understands that why the league is being so forceful on this issue, but also at the same time, guys are trying. It's just that they have to learn a new behavior and it takes time for that behavior to sort of become muscle memory, if you will, that this is how you respond. So here's after watching the game, uh, the Monday night game between Seattle and Philly. Um, I'm having a hard time uh, believing, and you can give me your thoughts on this. 
that the NFC champion may be a team that's six and ten. What do you what do you what do you think about that? I'm I'm gonna take it even one step further, Big Daddy. Not only is that possible, but if it were to happen, do not be shocked if that team wins a playoff game. So why do I say that? Because the last few times that we have had a team finish 500 or sub 500 and go to the playoffs, it has won its playoff opener, including Seattle one year, which was, I believe, seven and nine. People were saying didn't belong in the playoffs. And in its opener, it defeated the defending Super Bowl champion Saints. And that was the year that, that Marshawn Lynch had the beast quake run. Yeah. So what I've learned from history is as much as I want to make fun of the NFC East and these teams that, you know, are sub 500, when we get to the postseason, none of that matters. And history has shown us that the unthinkable can happen. So do you think the NFL recedes, the, you know, the playoff teams or no? I think it depends on on how the regular season goes. If they get if they get through an entire regular season without missing any games, etc., then I think it stays as is. But if they have to redo the schedule, let's say have an 18th week or they don't get through all the games, then I think there's a possibility that we could have reseeding. The other thing that's interesting to me, Big Daddy is the possibility of having playoff teams um, um, put in a bubble. And, you know, I asked Mario Davis about that uh, yesterday, and he said he would be in favor of that. If you could find, say, two cities where you put the AFC in one city and you put the NFC in another, and all those teams are there and they practice, you know, they, the facilities there from a practice standpoint, hotel standpoint, all of that, he said he would be in favor of that. And um, I found that to be very interesting that, that, that you know, you have in it. Because we're, we're not talking about the NBA where you only have 12 players, yeah. basically. We're talking about teams with 53-plus. Um, well, usually it's about 125 yep. for an away game. Yes. You're, you're, you're with staff and, you know, ancillary and all that. Yes. So, so – um, so I, I don't rule that out. I, th- I think based on people I talk to, everything is on the table and the league will adjust at the moment that it has to adjust. The one thing I learned, which was always I found to be um, a great way to sort of live your life is Marty Schottenheimer once said to me when I was asking him about a potential quarterback change and there was a lot of pressure on him to do it and he didn't want to do it. And he hadn't tipped his hand which way he was going to go. And I'll never forget Marty and that baritone voice, Jim. The one thing I know is I don't make decisions until I have to make a decision. And I think the NFL right now is the same way. It's not going to make a decision until it has to make a decision. Well, it's funny. Uh, we talk about the bubble. I was uh, I had as a, one of my other guests was Barry Trotz the uh, head coach of the New York Islanders. And we got into the bubble life and how, you know, basically you had all these teams pushed into, uh, you know, somewhere in Edmonton and somewhere in Toronto. And you were in this hotel with 600 rooms and basically all the players were in there. But as the teams kept getting eliminated, 
you know, then they were, uh, they uh, got through there. They got to the, the championship games um, before the Stanley Cup. And all of a sudden, they're the last team standing in that hotel. And then they win their game seven. And then they have to fly from Toronto all the way to Edmonton and play the next day. So that was, yeah, they did not fare well that game one um, when they got to uh, Edmonton. But game two, they were much better. And uh, he was saying that it was so interesting being in that bubble and how, you know, uh, he said he, he was laughing. He compared the – he saw this kid on a tricycle, this girl on a tricycle, riding down the hallway, and he compared it to The Shining, you know. When <laughs> <laughs> Red rum. Yeah, right. Red rum. And I was like, oh, man, that's a different uh, comparison. And uh, he said, yeah, well, when you're the only ones in the place uh, you uh, and you have all the players, you know, everything was there. They did everything mm-hmm. there and, and then went to the facility, did their skating and all that, and then the games. And and uh, he said it was great because the it was everything was confined, but that's only 25 players and, you know, four coaches and – a couple of trainers. That's it. Right. So yeah. the NFL, that you're going to have to find uh, that, that'll make it interesting if they go that route. You know? Well, I, you know, I tend to think it can be done. I mean, especially when I think Amy Trask was the first to bring this up um, during uh, her show on CBS. You look at Los Angeles, you know, when you talk about facilities, you talk about hotels, all of those things, that's definitely a city you can think about. You know, if you wanted to, just as we saw with the NBA in Florida, yeah. you could find um, a spot to do that. So I think it can be done. Would it be easy? No. Would it be ideal? No. Would it go off smoothly? No. But I think, again, perspective is everything in this moment. And everyone is trying to make the best of a really bad situation. Yeah. And I think it just requires that we all have a little patience, a little understanding, um, a little empathy. Uh, and a lot of perspective. So one of the segments that I add to this show, and uh, you'll appreciate it and laugh at the same time, is we have a, a food component to this. So uh, being that we've shared a few meals, uh, especially every time you come to the East, um, we would have to most definitely say that we have had the best pizza in New York a few, few couple times. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, now that my diet is in a much limited capacity, um, we will still enjoy a few treats here and there when you come back East. And Big Daddy, uh, I will eat, I will eat your share. How's that? I, look, we're, going to, I, we're, we're going to Umberto's. I will take <laughs> care of my share and yours. We're you good. Can, you can most definitely, I have to get at least a bite in, you know, I can't just sit here and watch the whole program, but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll behave and, uh, I'll make sure that, uh, when I get my huddle and flow shirt, I want to be in a two X. So that's, that's my goal. So, uh, that'll be, that'll give me something to work for, you know, look forward to and work, work towards as uh, June, 2021 comes. And, uh, 
and we'll go from there. But uh, that's a deal. That's a deal. So that is a I'll, deal. I will keep you up to date on my uh, my uh, workouts and weight loss and or gain or whatever. I don't have gain anymore in my uh, my vocabulary. I've gotten to the point where I'm like this. I have focus. I'm totally into this thing. I'm addicted to it actually, because everybody says to me, "How do you get up?" And I go, I, you know what? I have a clock and I wake up and okay, here it is. I got to do this. Then after I'm done with that, I got a shower. I got to make breakfast. Then I got to start work. And now, you know, with Big Daddy and friends adding on top of everything else I got going on, you know, it's work, it's research, it's, you know, doing all this stuff to make sure that I put on the, uh, look, I'm not trying to win a Golden Globe or anything like that. I'm just trying to have fun and, and let, people experience my world through all my friends. But you know, Big Daddy, what it is, what, what you were describing there to me is what we were talking about a little earlier. And that's a learned behavior. And you have now changed, you know, your life and you have adopted new behaviors that now are becoming like almost as again, muscle memory, yeah. where when you wake up, this is what your body is accustomed to psychologically. You say you, you don't even have to say it to yourself. It's just kind of ingrained in you now that this is what I should be doing. It's like when I roll out of bed every morning, I know when I'm home, I got my dog and we got to go for a walk every morning. So during this pandemic, every morning, so what it's been since March 18th, we're up and out between 6.30 a.m. and 7. And, and she, if I were not to get up, she would come wake me up to say, we got to go. So... Mm-hmm. It's all about creating those habits, you know, whatever it is. And you're creating positive habits, which which is, you know, they're going to benefit you long term. So props to you and keep it up, man. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, wow, this is great. And uh, I'm so excited. And by the way, our man, Kevin Weeks, wanted me to make sure I said what's up. Uh, I told him I had you, you know, you were coming on and he's coming on tomorrow. So, uh uh, I love Kevin. Good dude, man. Mm-hmm. And see, Big Daddy, that's it. I know we're getting ready to get off here, but that's the thing with you that, that that I appreciate as much as anything. You know, particularly as we get older, we want to surround ourselves, hopefully, with good people, positive people, you know, and, and trying to eliminate and keep at arm's length some of the negativity that's out there. Because there's, there's so much if you let it, particularly in the social media climate, it can it can overwhelm you. So, Whenever I get around people like you or Kevin or whatever, it's always a joy because it's just, you know, everything comes from a good place. And and I appreciate that. And I thank you for that. And um, I'm trying to get more people like that in my circle as I go forward, you know, because because life's too short, man, to deal with all that other drama and, and, and whatnot. And you, you start to realize that as you get closer to that finish line than you are that starting line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing I said, I made changes a year ago and, uh, and, and before coronavirus hit and I'm sticking to those changes and I'm not a yes man. Like I might've been in the past because you, you can't save the world. You know, anyone comes to you and, and I'm not your celebrity or any, everybody just knows I know everybody. So you get a lot of requests, you get a lot of inquiries and you get a lot of time, a lot of things that people waste your time and they're not really, they're not made to do good for other people. They're made to do only good for them. Correct. And it's always at your expense or my expense. And, and that's not what life's about. I mean, you know what, today is, uh, 
even though we're taping this, I know today is National Give uh, Giving Back Day. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can give back anything, you know, whatever it is, 25 cents, a, a slice of pizza, you know, whatever to a child, I think that really goes a long way. And it shows what kind of person you are. And, and, and from no matter what background you come from or where you're, where, you're, where you're at in life or whatnot, it's just you have to realize that you have to care about people and realize that they are people. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't look at that, don't look at it that way because a lot of people are caught up in status. And, sure. you know, it's funny. I, I told a story how – I went from, uh, you know, driving a, an S500, and I drive a minivan. And you know what? I like my minivan more than any car that I've ever had in the past because I fit in it comfortably. I can throw stuff in the back, you know, footballs and my football camp and all this stuff. I mean, it's just I appreciate that so much more now than I did probably five years ago. No question, Big Daddy. It's a process. Look, we, I think we all go through that. And as we get older, hopefully we start to realize and, and not just realize, but embrace the things that are really important. And, and it's not all those superficial things. So it's funny you mentioned that because my wife and I were having a discussion this morning. We were talking about Christmas. So she's been gathering up gifts for our kids who are grown, but she still likes to buy gifts. And, and I said, look, I don't need anything. You don't need anything. I said, what if we this year, and this is not a novel concept, but, but for us, it, we've just gotten to that point. I said, what if we, we, we donate to, and this will speak to you. And I, and I learned a lot about St. Jude from you. I said, what if we donate to St. Jude, you know, for Christmas, or we donate to food banks, you know, because it's really blown my mind when I see these images of cars lined up for miles waiting on, on, handouts from these food banks and you think that should never happen in this country where we've reached the point now where man people are hurting you know truly hurting and they're just trying to get by and you know and and to line up for for in, in food lines for hours and to sit there um it breaks my heart so that was a conversation we had about you know just trying to find a way to give back you know, consistently. Um, and I hope everyone does because, um, this, I I just, and, and I'll, I'll leave on this big daddy, but I just hate the fact that, that everything has become so divided and so tribalized and, and everything. Um, just be kind to people, you know, it's, it's not that hard. You know what? I'll I'll tell you, I did something that really shocked me, but, uh, I I'm proud that I did it. I uh, decided to, for hospice care, you know, I learned about these kids that, you know, they lose their parents and, you know, now Christmas is coming and whatnot. So I'm raising money to uh, buy kids some gifts for hospice care. And I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus and I'm going to bring the gift to the kids. Nice. Yeah. uh, You know, it's funny. I found out already one person donated a couple hundred dollars and what they want in return is a picture of me in a Santa suit autographed. I'm like, nice. <laughs> I'm nice. like that's all it takes. I'll get a hundred copies of that and I'll spread them around and everyone can donate. And, uh, you know, the kids will wake up with a smile, at least whether it's one gift or five gifts, it doesn't matter. It's no. just the thought and the gift 
being there that will make a kid so happy and yeah. you know, smile and and because that's what that's what it's about, you know. Yes, we've, sir. We've all done great things and we've been here and there and and you know I used to tell people all the time that if life was ended ended for me tomorrow, I could never leave this planet unhappy. Yeah. Because I've done some of the greatest things that most humans on this planet, with even all the money in the world, will never ever do. Well, Big Daddy, count me in. Send me the link on on where to contribute, and then I want my photo as well. Okay, afterwards. Yeah. So I'm I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Oh man, I can't wait for the photographer to take. You know, as Michael Strahan would say to me. Big Daddy, you ain't no oil painting, so uh, you know <laughs> I can't wait for this picture. He'll be he'll probably be the first one to make fun of me too. <laughs> but anyway, I got to say, hey Jim, thank you so much uh, to everyone that's watching the show. Check out Jim Trotter NFL Network. He is the man, and uh, he's usually styling pretty good too. So uh, when he's on there, so uh, we're gonna have a conversation about that, Big Daddy. Oh yes, you know, you know what I'm having conversation. I know, with you I know, about. I know. Okay, well, listen, right. I haven't had to wear anything. <laughs> Look what I'm wearing, because no one wears suits now. I go to the tailors, the uh, what do you call it? The dry cleaner says to me, "You haven't been here in months." I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't need to. Nope, we're all in sweats and t-shirts. You know, yeah, exactly. So, uh, on that note, I will say uh, thank you again, and this is a great conversation. And you know, I love you to death. And, uh, and again, thank you for being here. It was awesome. All love, Big Daddy. You know that anytime you need me, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. And same here. So uh, for everyone out there, this is Big Daddy. I hope you enjoy Big Daddy and Friends, and uh, we'll see you soon. Have a great day.